welcome back to The Mountains and the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we're finishing up our coverage of Disc 4 of Sign of the Times Super Deluxe. Which puts us at about 22% through the entire (laughs) series. Yeah. (laughs) Last episode, we covered the first nine songs of this disc. Now we're on to the latter half, Mm -hmm. which is shorter. We divided it into tracks to cover. This time, these nine songs total 32 minutes and 48 seconds. That was good because we were preparing for this over Thanksgiving week. That's right. We kind of had a short week, so we were kind to ourselves. Yeah. gave us a smaller amount of material. That's right. It was kind of nice. Kind of gave us a little bit of a break while we did other stuff. Though we didn't have a big family get-together, but we never really have a big family get-together over Thanksgiving. So it was normal, but still the normal is kind of busy. Yep. Yeah. So we hope that you all had a very happy Thanksgiving and that you're looking forward to a nice holiday season, even if it looks a little different than how you're used to. We hope that you can find some joy in it. And, uh, you know, we'll try and bring you some joy as we dissect and talk about these songs. If you have this super deluxe edition, you have lots to be thankful for this year anyway. That's very, very true. That's a ton of music. I still haven't got my head around all of this music yet. Oh, no way. And then we started covering it, which made it even harder because I had to focus on certain sections (laughs) at a time. I still, to this date, it is currently November 30th, 2020. We've had this set for now more than two months, and I have yet to listen to the live discs. Oh. <laughs> Haven't even given them one play yet. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. Yep. That's kind of the nice thing about talking about them on the podcast is you get to really like dive deep into them for a little bit and then move on to the next thing. That's right. Yeah. That's the plan. That's right. So shall we dive right on into Power Fantastic? Live in the studio. That's right. Power Fantastic was included on the hits and the B-sides in 1993 with print studio vocals. Uh, Wendy and Lisa wrote a song called Carousel that this was based on, but credits to them were left off of the hits and the B-sides initial release, but it was corrected in 1993. Yep. I don't think anyone knew at the time that the version of Power Fantastic we got on the hits and the B-sides was... This recording, in part, that was shortened, edited, and a new vocal track that Prince laid down the same day in the same session. Uh Not what you hear in this track, but was Mm re-recorded. And it is um, a little different. So it's really cool to hear um, this 7 minute and 18 second workout, Mm -hmm. which includes, boy, a little fun intro. Yeah. That they could have easily cut off, you know, yeah. or edited out. But the fact that um, Prince's instructions to the band uh, were left here. Within all of within a minute, we want to get quiet and then we're just going to build and build and build until we're just making loud, fast noise. Okay. Band in Prince's house was, of course, Prince, Wendy, Lisa, Bobby Z on drums, Eric Leeds on flute, and Atlanta Bliss on trumpet. So it was kind of a... Uh, mix of old and new revolution members, you mm-hmm. might say. Yeah. I really liked that part, too, because you always think of or hear about Prince being such a taskmaster. Mm-hmm. You know, 
kind of hard and driving, creative, genius, brilliant, but difficult and driving and hard. And it was kind of nice to hear him here be a little more encouraging. Just have fun with it. Yeah. This, is, this is what we're going to do. You're going to do it. I'm going to tell you to sh- when I'm ready for you to move into the next part, which he does. We get to hear that, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Now, he may have always been encouraging up front and maybe more uh, difficult afterwards if uh, what was played wasn't kind of his vision, but I don't think that's the case here. Yeah, it doesn't sound that way, but it sounds like they pretty much nailed it, too. Oh, yeah. First one take. (laughs) Yeah. Done. Yeah, you mentioned that, you know, he's giving them directions and says, you know, he's going to say, shh, we're going to quiet down and, you know, but before that, he actually gives them time. He says, like, we're going to be making loud, fast noise all within a minute, he says. Yeah. Um, kind of a warm-up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was real organic and frantic, but still really all worked together somehow. Mm-hmm. It was different than like an orchestral warm-up, which kind of sounds like a mess. Yeah. And this was not was, so much a mess, it was just more chaotic. Yeah, that's good. That's a good description. You know, even the little zip tape sound at the uh-huh. beginning is preserved, so you can like hear when they hit record, mm-hmm. basically, and the tape started rolling, I think it was really cool. The setup of this was talked about on the, I believe it was in the official Prince podcast, where they talked about the studio being fairly large in his house, but even still, Lisa on a piano had to be in a different room. So they were kind of strewn throughout, strewn throughout the house, and you can hear Prince checking in with everyone, making sure everyone can hear him. And he was in the control room with Susan Rogers, and Susan said he didn't like um, other people being in the control room when he was singing. So he had his back to her, kind of singing into a corner throughout this whole thing. Um, And she was thinking, you know, wow, how am I going to make this sound good when he's over (laughs) in a corner? Uh, But they obviously made it work. Yep, they sure did. In that uh, organic warm-up, there's kind of this choked scream that Prince does, too. Uh That's super, super cool. Yeah, that was very uh, Prince and the Revolution kind of thing Mm -hmm. to do. And there was really good use of stereo even in that mm-hmm. warm up. You're right. You had like trumpet in the left channel and piano in the right. I just appreciated the care that was taken even with that early part of the recording yeah. to mix it so that it was interesting and had something special about it. Yeah, it was definitely a well, I don't know, set up recording, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Yeah. And we said, uh, Prince said, all within a minute. So I went back. I'm like, I wonder, because he's, you know, a, he's got like perfect timing, right? So I went back and looked. Let me investigate this. <laughs> so Lisa starts with the piano at 54 seconds. And Prince goes, shh, at two minutes and five seconds. Oh, so close. <laughs> it wasn't quite within a minute. He said about a minute. 
He said, all within a minute. All within a minute. Oh, Yeah. Well, maybe he just liked what he was hearing, or he could sense that they weren't quite ready yet. Maybe. Busted, though. (laughs) And then the true piano intro to the song, which is where the hits and the B-sides starts, is at 2 minutes and 27 seconds. Right. Yeah. Very interesting, mystical kind of, I don't know, religious and sexual and musical references throughout Mm -hmm. these lyrics. I guess those are the three tenets of almost all Prince music. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting to hear this like sweet falsetto after that kind of chaotic beginning. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. It goes from a mess to kind of this pretty thing. Mm -hmm. I think that was probably the intention too. Yep. So I was wondering, uh, a minor G is the chord of pleasure. Yeah. I looked up what does a minor G chord sound like on a piano and a guitar. Uh And they're both kind of moody. And if you'd like to hear those, you can find us on the social media. You can find us on Facebook, the Mountains and the Sea of Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast. Or you can send us an email at tmatspodcast at gmail.com. And I'll send you a link to those if you don't do the social media. So I went and listened to those, and I'm trying to figure out why is it the Court of Pleasure, and then I'm like, oh, it's probably a reference to female things, like the G-spot, Yep. and he's going to play it for 11 measures because he's not a fast lover. That's right. Yes. (laughs) Took me a minute to get there. I'm like, what does this mean? Oh, that's what it means. Yep. (laughs) You will see fire, but you're cool as ice. I think that all. And you will lie if you say this isn't nice. Uh It all, you know, lines up to do that. But Power Fantastic is, I don't know, seems to be this looming presence Mm -hmm. that's... uh, Coming to get you, life or doom is what this feeling's made of. Could it be an orgasm? Could be. <laughs> fantastic is also a word that pops up in Prince's music quite a lot. We got mm-hmm. power fantastic, we have rave into the joy fantastic, and rave into the joy fantastic. Anna Fantastic. Lots of things are fantastic. That's right. When I looked up the lyrics to this song, I hit myself smack in the middle of the head and called myself (laughs) a dummy because I had never looked up the lyrics to Power Fantastic before. I thought they were pretty clear. I'm singing along to them on the hits and the Uh B-sides for the last 27 years. And the lyric is, Power Fantastic is in your life at last. You're a little apprehensive, yada, yada, yada. Well, what I had always heard, because I think of the word fantastic, was 
Power Fantastic isn't your life elastic, oh, is what I had heard. Oh, that's kind of cool, so like too. It kinda like it rhymes, like... but yeah, but that's wrong, wrong. <laughs> it's wrong, but you can enjoy it. Yeah, so it took me a while to get used to hearing, is in your life at last, mm. instead of isn't your life elastic. It has nothing to do with the song. It's just what I heard. Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. fun, though. Yeah. I also thought listening to this as a full like band recording, and it's very obvious that it's a band recording. You know, you don't. If you had just listened to the hits and the B sides version of this, it could have been a Prince solo performance. You have no idea, right? That right. He's. It's a live band performance in one take. But I thought you can appreciate all the revolution as as a band. But what really stuck out to me was Bobby Z as a live drummer and how underrated he is because I think you think of him as, you know, yeah, he was a drummer, but he's also almost like a operator with Lynn drums and triggering things and that kind of stuff in concerts. And some of the revolution shows that we saw were that way too. Mm -hmm. Yes, there was some live drumming, but a lot of it was programmed stuff too. That's a big responsibility and it takes talent to do, but here it's a live drum recording of him and it's really really nice if you Mm -hmm. just listen to drums from start to finish um you know it's not a lindrum it's not a programmed beat Mm -hmm. Um, it's not something in the can somewhere that gets triggered by a certain you know key or foot pedal or whatever Mm -hmm. i just thought it was very well done it was very well done we get a little gasp at like five minutes and five seconds, which is just like perfect punctuation yep. in this song. Yeah. Um, and then we get to hear him directing the band more several times. So mm-hmm. he calls for the instrumental bridge. Yep. Bridge. Then he tells them to keep soloing. Yeah, I think he's talking to Eric Leeds on I the think flute he is there. Too. Yep. Yeah. Keep soloing. At five minutes and fifty six seconds? Yes. Keep soloing. Yes. And then uh change uh-huh. when they go back into the song where he sings the chorus. Yep. Calls for the ending. Yeah, it's six minutes, 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. Ending. And then at the end, he says, cool, come in. And that's oh. when you realize, oh, did you not hear that? No, I heard, oot. Oh. Come in. No, I think he said, cool, come in. And I was like, mm. wait, oh, yeah, that's because Lisa was upstairs at the piano. He's telling everybody to come together so they can talk about it. Good. Come in. I didn't didn't hear cool. I heard woot, like a Canadian Minnesota (laughs) kind of thing. (laughs) I heard cool. All right. Well, that was pretty fantastic. It was fantastic. Full of power. (laughs) Actually, that's the only thing I wrote down on this song after I listened to it. Well, that was fantastic and full of power. Next song. (laughs) (laughs) Then we have And That Says What, which was probably for the Dream Factory. The only lyrics are the words spoken at the very end that give this track its name. 
Yeah. And that says what? And that's uh, and that says what? <laughs> Which I don't know what that means, but okay. Is it like oh, I you think know? it's a boastful kind of thing, or oh. like a that what you said described you perfectly, or oh. that, that kind of because it was in oh. Under the Cherry Moon, Christopher Tracy. Uh, says that in the movie uh, at one point. Okay. Um, I didn't know if it was almost like the insult. You know, it is idiots, kind of an insult. Idiot yeah. says what? No, yeah. not and that. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I think it's a, you know, he rips through all this and ends it with, and that says what? Uh-huh. We are that good. Yeah. You know. Very cool. Yeah. Interesting that the lineup here is... Uh, kind of another live studio recording with Wendy on bass, Lisa on piano, Matt Fink, Dr. Fink on keyboards, Eric Leeds on sax, Atlanta Bliss on trumpet, and Prince's only contribution is on drums. Which are which is great. Very rare. Mm-hmm. And then the one instrument that I found conspicuously missing was guitar, mm-hmm. which makes it a very madhouse type lineup with Prince's contributions remaining on drums, no vocals, no lyrics, and on the first Madhouse album there was very little, if any, guitar at all. Mm-hmm. On purpose. And this kind of reminded me about that. Yeah. Um had a really fun big band sound. Oh yeah, it's definitely uh crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? It's and, wild, interesting. Yeah. Again, referring to the official Prince podcast, Lisa was on there laughing a little about how how some of the instrumental experiments that the band was trying out under Prince's direction during this era would get kind of zany, and she called them like, these are almost like Looney Tunes. (laughs) And this totally has got to be one of the songs that she's talking about. It's all very Looney Tooney. That's very... Fair. And it's a short song, less than two minutes, but man, it goes places and quickly. Yeah. And I can totally imagine somebody animating something to this. Yes, which two characters are chasing each other and then <laughs> run into a big scary monster at some point when the song slows down? Is it Tom and Jerry or is it the Coyote mm. and the Roadrunner? Are Coyote and Roadrunner Looney Tunes? Those are Warner Brothers, right? I think. I don't know. Who owns Looney Tunes? Is, is, is Looney Tunes anymore. a Warner Brother thing? I thought it was. I don't even know. But Tom and Jerry aren't Looney Tunes either. But those are the ones I think of when I think of characters chasing one another. Yes. Around. True. True. You can definitely hear the Looney Tunes in the first 37 seconds of the song, for sure. Yeah. Normally, I'm kind of a fan of slow music or slow jams taking a turn into something faster, but I felt the opposite during this one. At 37 seconds, when the song takes on a slower pace and like a gigantic sax solo through a minute and 10 seconds, and the drums are wide open, and it just sounds like almost loud halftime music, not football halftime, but like half time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like slower. Yes. Like Half. from a 4-4 four, four to a 4-8. Yeah, I don't know if that's the way to refer to it, but I'm talking about half as fast as it was before. Okay. Is that the way it is? I think so. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Uh. That's a lot of music terms for me. I'm not going <laughs> to pretend like I know what that means. Okay. Uh, then in like a minute and 17 seconds, it takes off faster again, like the first 37 seconds of the song. Yeah. It's fun. It goes places quickly. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I know that 
Prince's character said, and that says what in Under the Cherry Moon, so I went to look it up and make sure, and yes, he does say it in the movie. And then it got me thinking, since this song has no lyrics, it got me on a tangent thinking of what other lines from Under the Cherry Moon did I really love? So here's a tangent for you. My favorite line from Under the Cherry Moon is, Madam, I do nothing professionally. I only do things for fun. And that also made me think of this song, because there's like, there's no, the song never was used for anything, and it was just kind of a workout for fun. For fun. That's right. So I feel like I've brought my Under the Cherry Moon stories full circle here. There you go. And that says what? And that says what? And then we have Love and Sex, which we talked about Sheila's version of this pretty extensively when we talked about her eponymous album. Sheila's album. Sheila E. That's right. By Sheila E. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and Prince a little too, but yeah, on yeah. her yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yes, her version uh, is not as unreleased and mm-hmm. is circulating in not great quality, but um, it was a fun listen and a fun song. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what this was going to be on the Super Deluxe Edition and had never heard Prince's version before. This was all new to me. Prince on all voices and instruments. Yeah. It's great. Sheila's much faster. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a much more kind of mid-tempo kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's unclear if this was planned for any Prince project at some point mm-hmm. or if it was always for Sheila. Um, it's very fun how he's doing this recording by himself, but you can kind of tell he's thinking of it as a duet. Maybe so. Um, yeah. Especially... Around the minute mark and a minute and 15, he goes from a falsetto to a lower singing voice. True. So that really made me think that he was thinking of this song as a duet. Sheila. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would guess. Yeah. We should also mention this is not to be confused with the 1984 recording that was released on Purple Rain Deluxe in June 2017, also called Love and Sex, but with no relationship or similarities to the song mm-hmm. whatsoever. Right. Other than the title. Other, yes. Well, that's true. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have mentioned that it might be confusing. <laughs> I mean, there's some similarities in that they have the same titles, but... That's true. Yeah. You are right. That's right. (laughs) Same reason you shouldn't confuse Purple Rain and Kiss. Right. Because there are no similarities there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Totally none. And they have different titles, too, by the way. (laughs) As I said on the last track, I'm a little more of a fan of songs that pick up the pace in certain spots. Mm -hmm. But I found myself for the second time in a row feeling the opposite of that during the slower parts of And That Says What. And then after many listens, the same on this song compared to the much faster paced version by Sheila E. When I first heard this one, I was like, it's kind of dragging a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah, I I felt like it was slow. And it took me many listens to decide... No, this is perfect, man. So I don't feel that way now. Okay. But I did feel that way then. Okay. And I'm documenting it here and now. 
Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Has very revolution era sound with the double snares. Pop, pop. Like mm-hmm. it's six seconds. Soaring guitars and, like you said, his falsetto from the start and then some deep voices mixed in. And the entire intro through the first lyrics at 20 seconds is just awesome. Mm-hmm. There's so many princes in this song. There are a lot of princes. There's so many. It's hard to bunch of them all layered on top of one another Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting and again you know you notice the work ethic that you put into the song that i don't think he if he was thinking of this as being a duet obviously he was thinking of doing it with somebody else and still he put all this work into Mm -hmm. putting all these princes in there to make it sound full and right and just how he wanted even though my guess is that he didn't have any intention of this particular version of it seeing the light of day. If he was going to be recording it with somebody else. Yeah. It was interesting. He definitely put some work into this one and like mm-hmm. finished it. It is a finished song, not like a demo. Let me get this down. So I'll remember it later. It mm-hmm. was like, he was into it for sure. Right. Like in a minute and nine seconds when he sings, could find better use of our time, our time. Uh He's like almost his speaking voice mixed with his falsetto and baritone. It's like all over the place. Yeah. In a perfect way. Right. It's lovely. Find better use of our time. Complex. Yep. Fascinating. Interesting. I did wonder a little at the title. I mean, I know that it was something he'd been playing with, obviously, since 1984, even though the song doesn't sound like that song. But it has the same title, though. It, thank you. <laughs> but uh, Love Sexy came shortly after that, and Love Sexy doesn't really sound anything like this. But yep. other than the fact that there's some similarity in the title, yeah, Love and Sex, it kind of... oh. Those were themes he was thinking about. I mean, those were themes he'd been thinking about his entire career. Or living out. (laughs) Yes. Thinking about and living out. Yes. But uh, I just thought it was interesting that it would end up something sort of similar. Yeah, would be. Would be the title track. The next, next album. Uh Uh-huh. Um, speaking of things he's speaking about, at a minute and 47 seconds, when he says, check me out. I'm a little bit forward, but you know, I'd be speaking my mind and all the layered layered and kind of out of place, but perfect vocals there. It takes forever to get to him saying, I'd be speaking my mind. Check me out. me of the last episode we talked about i can never take the place of your man the original 1979 version and how he kind of trips over his own words purposefully mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing here i thought which is interesting yeah being whatever seven years later mm-hmm. and we get a guitar solo at two minutes and 43 seconds to two minutes and 56 seconds mm-hmm. awesome I 
thought the chorus this is a kind of a well written but weirdly written song too. It's <laughs> yeah, and also strangely carnival based. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about an the emotional merry go round, uh-huh. like riding on a Ferris wheel upside down. the scrambler and maybe the bumper cars oh you gotta have a little uh cotton candy in there yeah where are my big old pretzels <laughs> <laughs> and on the third chorus when he starts it off love and sex and at three minutes and one second we get a whoo, <laughs> which is really nicely placed and fun yes very it's very fun. Yeah, I, like I think it's song. a great listen. There's so much going on, and every single part of it is Prince. So, yeah. If you like the guy and you like his singing and you like the fact that he plays every instrument, I don't know how you can get past the song without going, wow, how this just was shoved in a closet to rot. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's a shame, but now we get it. Yeah. So, what a, little, what a little bright spot in 2020. Indeed. Then we have. The Prince vocal version of A Place in Heaven. Yep. It was recorded on the same day as Movie Star and Witness for the Prosecution, which blows my mind because it's so different. It's different, but it was originally connected to Movie Star with his little speech about, uh, so you like environmental records? Crickets chirping, water rushing, supposed to make you horny. It just makes me want to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Actually, this was not bad. Check it out. So do you like environmental records? Crickets chirping, water rushing. Supposed to make you horny, just make me want to go to the bathroom. Actually, this one's not bad. Check it out. So, like, what's your name? Oh, wow, that's dog. That is what's missing. Crazily from the song, it doesn't have his environmental record speech Uh between, which Uh is on uh, Movie Star on the Crystal Ball collection. Right. But if you're trying to put these together the way that they were kind of meant or mixed together, you can't quite do it right with those two songs because they overlap in ways that make it impossible. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Had you forgotten that? Yeah. I didn't realize that it was... That had anything to do with this. Oh, yeah. When Movie Star ends and Prince is having this conversation. Right. One side in and he's like, so what? So like, what's your name? Uh And he says, oh, wow, that's dull. (laughs) That's kind of where it turns into a place in heaven. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Where on Crystal Ball, I think it segues like right after he says, oh, wow, that's dull. It's a remix of the Continental, I think, that kicks in right away. Yeah. Jarringly so. Yeah. So this is Prince on all vocals and instruments. And like you said, it's Prince's vocal version. Lisa did a version of it also, Mm -hmm. uh, sang it. Very, very lullaby-ish, did you find? Yeah, that's what I thought. I said it was like almost like a song for children with the sweet start, the bells and the synthesizers and this real warm piano. And Mm -hmm. if it were just a hair slower, I think it would be a very... A suitable sounding lullaby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most lullabies don't have mentions of nooses and things like that. In them, well, but it would sound I meant like, like that, yeah. musically. Right. Yeah. Even just like the way the drums are, the 
it's almost uh-huh. sounds like it's on uh like the 1970s organ that your parents have <laughs> collecting dust in their garage it sounds yes. like a bossa nova kind of beat from uh-huh. from that organ yep exactly that's i hadn't made that connection but yes as somebody who sat at that organ many hours as a kid yep that is a button on that organ yep <laughs> So who is she? She I wants a place know. in heaven. That was the one question I asked myself listening to this, trying to think of, you know, try to not think of it as the song that I've heard forever on bootlegs, but listen to it fresh and new as a single track the way it is here. She wants a place in heaven, but she cannot face the truth. She lives on a rope of self-pity. It only requires a noose. She wants a place in heaven, she Yeah, is she contemplating suicide or is he like fussing at her because she's uh, having self-pity without cause? Yeah, all good questions and no one to ask it to, no one to get an answer from. She is somebody that Prince doesn't seem to have a lot of sympathy for. True. That's who she is. Yeah, someone who wants the reward of heaven but can't. Face the truth. Is the truth like God? Believing in God? I don't know. Uh, It's easy to imagine laughing when you really hear her cry. Which is interesting. Okay. So it's easy to ignore the suffering of others. And in hell, they sound the same. Yep. Joe's like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. Um, But then he says, you want a place in heaven, maybe you're already there. Life's what you make it. Stop whining, baby. I was like, oh, that's callous. Life's what you make it. Stop whining. Yeah, it goes back to the previous lyric, too, of when he questions, why are the ones so afraid to live much more afraid Afraid to to die? Uh Why are the ones so afraid to live much more afraid to die? So, yeah, this is definitely a critique of a female, maybe a girlfriend. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I was just like, I get that he's trying to tell people or trying to tell whomever she is to be grateful for what she has. Uh Uh-huh. Which always goes over well when uh, when you're not, when you're down on yourself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, it's one thing to point out and say, hey, I know things look bleak right now, but let's look at these things and... Remind people of the good things that they have, but to tell them, uh, you know, stop whining. That's right. Not helpful. No. I mean, I get that we should be grateful, but pain is pain, even if it seems trivial to somebody else. That's right. If I dropped my ice cream cone and it has 
put me in a slump emotionally. <laughs> you coming up to me and saying, stop whining, baby. <laughs> Still on my ice cream cone. I'm sad. I'm sad it's gone. I won't do that to you, honey. I promise I'll get you another ice cream cone. Ooh. Or I'll share mine. When we finish this episode, can we have some ice cream? That sounds really good. <laughs> it's a little chilly for ice cream, but nope. you always like ice cream on a cold day, don't you? Yep. Doesn't bother me. Yeah. I'm not whining about it. Yeah. So he has some songs that can be empathetic. Oh, this yeah. is not one of them. This is a pretty judgmental song. Certainly not to the woman in question. It would not be very comforting. And then to jump straight from stop whining, get over yourself, to there must be children in heaven. <laughs> this is a, a leap. Like, where does this come from, right? You want a place in heaven, well, get over yourself. There are three-year-olds in heaven, and they'd make better leaders than what we have now. <laughs> I was like, okay, so on the one thing, quite the leap. Yep. On another thing, Prince has obviously not spent much time with three-year-olds, at least not up to this uh, point, well, because three-year-olds are selfish little jerks they're past the maybe we should have been one-year-old leaders of all colors or four-year-old leaders i'm telling you three-year-olds both of our children love them dearly but both of them shortly after their third birthday and just before their fourth birthday it was like somebody flipped a switch and they drove you crazy they were big enough to pay it to have an opinion (laughs) about Everything, but didn't have the life experience to back up that opinion ever. They yeah. were little monsters. Oh, yeah. And then they're like, Mom, 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 yeah. Mother, Mom, Mommy. <laughs> Here in heaven, they're like, God, God, Father, Father, like, God. <laughs> I was like, three-year-olds in heaven must be different than the ones here because... Well, I'm probably true. <laughs> So, yes, but uh, even despite the maybe misunderstanding of what a three-year-old really is, if you're not around them 24-7, 365, <laughs> I do think that the ending wraps it up nicely with a bow. We all want a place in heaven. Sweets of that level are few. Let's not be lazy. There's no room service. It's all up to me and you. We all want a place in So after kind of uh, blowing off his female companion's emotional suffering and misjudging the (laughs) ability to lead on the part of three-year-olds, it is a sweet message here at the end that it's up to me and you. No one's going to do this for us. No one's going to build heaven for us, but we can work together Mm -hmm. and, and do it here. Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to find some redemption here at the end. No way. And by the eyes that I see over the microphone across the table, there's <laughs> disagreement. I, I wouldn't say it was disagreement. I just thought that sweets of that level are few mm-hmm. really made me see how the Jehovah's Witness faith 
appealed to him later in life, even back in the eighties, because they have a oh. a view of how many people are there is room for in heaven. It's like walking into Walmart in the COVID area where they're clicking a button to make uh-huh. see how many people are in there. Yeah. And how many people are coming out. That's right. But uh, there's nobody coming out. It's like once they go in, I'm sorry, we're full. But just the idea that there's limited space in heaven. Yeah. I see that. Although he could also be, what is the verse in the Bible that, you know, it's harder for a man to pass through the eye of a needle than to get into heaven, that it's tough to get there. A rich man. Uh, A rich man can pass through the eye of a needle easier than he can get into heaven. That's right. That's right. I guess that's where I went with that. Sweets of that level are few, Mm -hmm. although literally it does mean there are, there are only so many spaces there, but I thought it was, um, also kind of a nod to, you know, getting in is tough. Right. But I see what you're saying. Yeah. Just for the record, I don't think it's probably all that tough. I think God loves all of us. I don't know about that. (laughs) But that's Um, just me. Yeah. So maybe that is why there was some humor also at the beginning of this song too, you know, with this is almost like a little dream sequence almost Uh um, with the, environmental records narrative included at the beginning and it's missing here and it makes it, I don't know, a little bit tougher of a song. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Then we have colors. It was written and recorded by Wendy at princess request. Just a lovely little guitar. There's some squeaky strings and Mm -hmm. long chords and fast plucking and, it's complex and interesting, but not challenging. Yeah. It's um, great. It's Just- another one that would have been a segue. And so here, because the songs were arranged in chronological order and not, you know, through theming or, you know, what sounds good or I've got to bridge a gap here. Right. It's it's a little odd, you know. To, the placement of yeah, it, yeah. The placement's cool. odd. But I also think, you know, we covered what I'd call a sister track, Visions, in our last episode as it's track seven on this disc. And that mm-hmm. was Lisa's track. That right. was all piano, Visions. And this was Wendy's track, all guitar by Wendy. And, of course, less than half the length of, length of Lisa's piano work on Visions. Colors is just over a minute, and Visions was like two minutes and 19 seconds. So yeah, no Prince writing or musical input. It was just a solo recording by Wendy that kind of ends abruptly, too. So I kind of expect it to move into another song really quickly. Right. Um, which it, it doesn't because of the way these vault discs are put together. It's just providing us with the songs that were recorded for the era. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a real quick break, and we'll be right Back with Crystal Ball 7-Inch Mix. Hey everyone, I'm Jason. If you love Prince's music as much as I do, and you enjoy diving into lyrical content, I think I have a podcast for you. It's called the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. And in this show, we take a trip back into Prince's discography, chronologically advancing through his catalog, with the goal of understanding the man's musical journey through his own words, his song lyrics. I often have guests on to join me in this discussion, and we have a lot of fun talking about Prince and his music, so hopefully you'll have as much fun listening to it. Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast is available wherever podcasts can be found. Thank you for listening. Thanks for sticking with us through that quick break. Now we have Crystal Ball 7-Inch Mix. This was on and off the Dream Factory album. 
This is probably the one I'm most familiar with from all these vault tracks because it was released in the 90s. Yes. So On I got to hear the it. Crystal Ball, quote unquote, bootleg collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but boy, what a challenge to take a 10 minute and 28 second track and uh-huh. edit it down to three minutes and 30 seconds. And they did a great job, I think. I think this it was is... Prince who did this edit. Yeah. Also. He did. Fantastic. I'm super impressed. Yeah. I was this was probably a track that I was not real excited about. I'm like, I've got the ten minute and twenty eight second version. Why do I need the three minute and thirty <laughs> second version? But it is great. It's really good. Yeah. It's so good. I love Camille is perfect for this. Yes, it's his Camille voice throughout mm-hmm. the entire thing. Prince is on all vocals and instruments, and then it's just Susanna. Uh, lending background vocals, and then Claire Fisher um, did the orchestral arrangement. Mm-hmm. There's so many fun sound effect-ish noises. It's kind of like another take on 1999, right? A yeah, little an bit. Apocalypse, yeah. um, but even more stark than, you know, 1999 was just like, well, we're going to party. And Crystal Ball is kind of like, you're a really good lovemaking partner and the world's (laughs) gonna end and um, there's war but love's more important yeah 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 let's have these uncomfortable prayers and just kind of accept it yep i was just saying there were these sound effect noises there was wind and cars and clicking and bells and bombs and airplanes and like jungle animal sounds and sirens talking no more and the ocean yeah it's like he just really had a all the earth is here <laughs> to be destroyed hey, this is a heyday with these sound effects uh, that's and Prince it, in the studio alone. Yeah, and it was it works so well, and it, there's so much of it you think it'd be cluttered, and it's not. Yeah, it doesn't come off as you know. It's sometimes later in his career. I think you could criticize Prince for doing so much of that that it could be corny or just overdone. And here, I don't know because it's just maybe still innocent, even though Prince was not innocent at this time in his career as a superstar, but he was still relatively young in his superstardom, you know, Mm -hmm. that just to see him and hear him experimenting with a bunch of different stuff is a lot of what you get here. I remember getting this on a bootleg growing up, and it was not titled Crystal Ball. It was titled Expert Lover. Uh Uh-huh. And it's easy to see why, because, you know, the first 56 seconds of the song is just a repeat of expert lover my baby you ever had a crystal ball and expert lover is kind of the lead mm-hmm. lyric so it's easy to see why people who called it that didn't know yeah would call it expert lover mm-hmm. kind of like uh moonbeam levels yes yeah, a better had... place to die mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah it's the same kind of mistake i guess yeah you know with this being butted up to colors and really butted up to a place in heaven, I was a little shocked at the praising of three-year-olds in a place in heaven where babies were the ones there and we (laughs) wish they were all in charge. But here, 
Little babies in makeup terrorize the Western world. As little babies in makeup terrorize the Western world. So mm-hmm. I guess they go, they, they, they do change when they get to heaven. Mm-hmm. I wondered about that line too. So I was trying to figure out if it referred to something specific. Little babies in makeup? Mm-hmm. Um, there were child soldiers around that time, particularly in the Congo. You know, they were slaves basically forced to fight and they would wear war paint. But maybe he's also talking about uh, world leaders acting like children. Yes. Yeah. The mentality Mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. Or both. Yes. What is a crystal ball? I mean, I know what a crystal ball is, but he says, ever had a crystal ball? So I'm like, oh, was it like a physical crystal ball? Was it a prophetic dream? Perhaps it was an orgasm? Maybe. Yes. Can you be an expert lover if you've not had one? That's right. Why is he asking that if uh, that's what it means? Right. I don't know. Because it could have been, oh, potential expert lover. Uh-huh. My baby, <laughs> you ever had a crystal ball? I'll teach you to be uh, an expert lover, my baby. Undercover, no maybe, all for fun and fun for all. Undercover, no maybe, all for fun, fun for all. Um, or is it a collection, you know, a collective experience? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know either, but uh, I hadn't really I know thought about it before. What, I mean, they tried to package the bootleg crystal ball in the late '90s in a physical ball and got kind of reduced to a puck <laughs> because of production <laughs> troubles. Yeah, but uh, so it, I don't know. I mean, his take on it later seemed to be leaning towards a physical crystal ball. Uh-huh. Or, uh, I'm not sure. Don't have an answer. Oh, okay, I was just curious if you had a thought. I have many thoughts, but no answers. <laughs> not not about that one. How about um, his lover's inability to speak? She's not talking anymore in verse 2. I can't mm-hmm. remember my baby's voice because she ain't talking no more. I can't remember my baby's voice because she ain't talking no more. Yeah, I can't figure out if she went away or if she died. Yeah, or did she was did she go through some experience that caused her not to speak oh. anymore? That's almost what I thought that she was. Oh, that like she so saw war, traumatized by what she saw that she quit speaking. Mm. Only the sound of love and prayer echo on the yellow floor. Uh-huh. Only the sound of love and prayer echo. This Wizard of Oz reference, or I mean, what what else wow. has a yellow floor? I don't think anything has a yellow floor. I think yellow is just associated with like warm, comforting well, sorts of feelings. Right? But it, the prayer is really dark. Yeah, it wants uh, salvation from temptation, hell, and madness. Yep, and they wonder if the prayers are even being heard. Yes. She's saying, 
And he also says, she's saying, and then says the prayer, but she's also not talking. So how does she know, how does he know what she's oh. saying if he, if she can't talk? See, I didn't think she was there. I thought uh, she was either gone or deceased. And this is him remembering the prayer. Okay. Because it was echoing off the yellow floor. Now that she's gone. Now that she's gone, he walks I in see. there and it echoes... In his memory, yeah, his imagination. That makes sense. That's that makes what sense. I thought. Yeah, that does make sense. Mm-hmm. And after that, the song really takes off at two minutes and twenty-seven seconds. The kind of the beat doesn't change, but it it kind of picks up tempo. Mm-hmm. You know. In your name we pray. Same lyric, same uh, question. You ever had a crystal ball? Yeah. Undercover, no maybe. All for fun and fun for all. And then verse three, I guess this is why I got confused or get confused because she's gone, but now she's back and she's drawing pictures. I don't know how linear this is. I don't either. (laughs) I always kind of thought of it as not being very linear. Okay. A stream of crystal ball consciousness. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. As soldiers draw swords of sorrow, my baby draws pictures of sex. Uh Uh-huh. Which uh, Susanna drew in mural on the wall. Yeah. (laughs) Evidently naked people in it. Yes. And and made the the stained glass for the Uh control room, right? Yes. So, yeah, at the Galpin Boulevard home and studio. Yeah, those things were there. So, obviously, that's a reference to Susanna. Mm-hmm. Yep. The rest of it, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what makes it super interesting that it's, you know, there's 40% experience in the songwriting. 40% of it is made up. Uh-huh. And then another 40% is just thrown in to be weird. And you end up with... How many 40% are there? That's why it's weird. <laughs> because it doesn't add up. Okay, I'm sorry. What was that final 40%? Just thrown in to be strange. Okay. To, uh, you know, the yellow floor. You know, is that something that was just thrown in? Um, I don't know. I can't hardly find pictures of the Galpin Boulevard Yeah, there aren't home. There aren't many, or the most no. you're going to find are probably in the book for the Super Deluxe Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, but not a lot of um, Susanna's artwork and that kind of stuff. Yeah, which I kind of gone on a hunt for. So I don't know if it, there was literally a room that had a yellow floor. I really like how the bass guitar and the sophisticated orchestral sounds kind of mm. butt up against one another. It's really interesting and Yeah, it definitely works with the mm-hmm. orchestral arrangements layered in on top of Prince's vocals, Susanna's vocals and all the other instruments and sound effects that are going on Mm -hmm. too. And then you have this sophisticated, you know, very heady orchestral thing happening. Uh Um, 
And I had forgotten how many places the orchestral arrangement from Crystal Ball is sampled in Prince's own music, one of which is uh, in the future from the Batman soundtrack. I had forgotten about that completely. And then at the end, it just kind of falls apart. Yeah. In this interesting way. Quicker, obviously, than the, um, very much quicker than the than the 10 minute and 28 second version right. kind of falls apart. But this one does, and it kind of works. It doesn't, to, to Prince's credit, it doesn't fade out. Uh-huh. It comes to uh, like a meaningful conclusion. Right. Which is, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you find seven minutes in a song to kill and come out with something that sounds <laughs> cohesive and complete. Yeah. Then we have Big Tall Wall version one. It was at one point planned for the Dream Factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one that I also had not heard. I didn't know what version one would be or what version two would be, but I knew I had heard and had one of them. Mm-hmm. This is not the one. Oh, so this one was all new. This was all new to my ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Susanna was the inspiration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she had moved out, and uh, Prince evidently wasn't done yet. Uh, Stone Circle, So You Can't Get Out, is a direct reference to the apartment building that she moved into because it was round. Right. It was on Lake Calhoun, and... Uh, I went down a rabbit hole trying to find pictures of the apartment building, which I could not. But I found out Mm. that Lake Calhoun uh, is controversially named because it's named for Vice President John Calhoun, who was pro-slavery. Oh, dear. And uh, there's an attempt to return its... its name, I was going to try and go for a fancy word, nomenclature, but that's not really right. Okay. So um, there's an attempt to return its name to the original Dakota name, which is Bidet Makaska. It's so much easier. <laughs> it's uh, culturally significant and relevant. I have a feeling it'll probably mostly still be called Lake Calhoun. Yeah. But... I found that in my interesting my searches. Prince and Eric Leeds and Atlanta Bliss are the mm-hmm. only ones here. So basically, Prince plays all instruments and sings except for uh, the saxophone and the trumpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really surprised at this to find not only different lyrics, but also the fuller and more complete instrumentation. Version 2, which we'll cover later, is much more stripped down. Mm-hmm. And a little more appropriate sounding in comparison to what he's singing about. It's definitely more driven and singular and uh, a little manic. Uh huh. Where this was more of like, it's got a peppy, happy sounding beat, and yeah. I'm gonna make you my prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he were building the big tall wall to give them a cocoon in their true love, yeah, that would maybe be one so. thing. But uh, he says, try to run if you want to. I don't care. And I'm like, ooh, that's some captivity stuff right there. That's right. 
This is definitely the same guy who wrote If I Was Your Girlfriend. Totally. To the same girl totally. about the same stuff. Totally. <laughs> exact notes over here on the other <laughs> side of the table. Yeah. I also thought, man, this is like a six-minute song, but dang, Prince. It's like, we've only got six minutes, so screw an instrumental intro. and Let's get singing right off the bat. <laughs> Because this thing takes yes. off. He's got to go deliver his message. I'm going to build a big top wall. Um, yes. And the drums that are panned to the left and the right, the downbeats on the left and the upbeats on the right. So it's, I didn't know how you'd feel about that. Um, if it made you dizzy or sent you into fits. N- no. Oh, that's It was good. all right. All right. Yeah. Um, and I really expected to look on Prince Vault and other sources and find out that, th- that this was recorded very close to it because it kind of has that same mm. little bit of a Middle Eastern sound to it. And it's close, but not as close as I thought that it was recorded May 11th, 1986 and big tall wall was recorded on April 18th, 1986. Oh, so okay. Like four weeks, three weeks apart. Yeah. You mentioned that, uh, Middle Eastern sound. I thought it kind of sounded like a didgeridoo. Yeah, a little, a little, bit. little uh, Australian kind of sound. Okay. I'll buy that too. There are some romantic things in here, though. My heart does a double beat. Yep. My heart does a double beat. All my cool goes slippity slip. All my cool goes slippity slip. Yep. Like he can't fake a cool attitude when she just makes him like a big old dork. That's right. His cool is like a refreshing beverage to her. Yeah. You make me sweat, girl. You joke on my cool. Those are all kind of romantic thing it is or seeing her in a restaurant and not being able to eat because mm-hmm. she's all he wants yeah but that's where the craziness starts that's the gateway to building a big <laughs> tall wall <laughs> yeah or as our daughter called it i was listening to the song on repeat this morning and my daughter was in the room. Our daughter was in the room, and she starts singing along. She goes, "Big tall wall, big tall wall. What is what's a big tall wall?" <laughs> she's she's twelve, and she, that's all she it's can a hear. Tall wall. Big, what's a tall big wall? Big tall wall. Come on, y'all. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. That was good. Yeah, like at two minutes and eight seconds where he says, Ooh, pretty mama, you can scream and shout. And then uh, when he sings Walking Down the Street, the verse is sung in the round. And it's oddly fun. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, the song is super fun. It's super and fun. Super and troubling. It's super, yes, exactly. 
Exactly. That's the perfect way to put it. It's super fun and super troubling. Well, here are the parts I enjoyed. Three minutes and 14 seconds to three minutes and 29 seconds. There's a breakdown with tambourines and Prince's falsetto and an acoustic guitar that you can pick out. And it's very pleasant to listen to, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's vocalizing there. It's really cool. There's an instrumental section at 3 minutes and 32 seconds that lets you appreciate all the subtle musical stuff going on on this track. Um, It's still relatively simple, but there is a lot going on that it's easy to pick out during that little 20-second part there. Mm -hmm. There's one spot where he says, uh, wall, Mm -hmm. like at a minute and 29, that's just super funky. The way way he says it is... Wall. I can't even do it. It's cool. I'll yeah. put a clip of it. All right. And then there's some words spoken as the music slows at the end, but I yeah. couldn't hear them. Sounds sweet or something like that in the right okay. channel at five minutes and 29 seconds. Mm-hmm. I said, I hear the word sweet. I don't quite know what he's saying. Okay. Um, and right before that, at five minutes and three seconds to five minutes and ten seconds, there's a rhythm guitar part that's almost like running scales. It goes, and it's fun to pick out if you go back and listen closely. And where I really hear the song "It" is like five minutes and thirty-four seconds after that inaudible spoken word part there's some instrumental stuff going on that sounds a lot like it to me but yeah definitely can make comparisons between big tall wow and if i was your girlfriend yeah. The same kind of uh very strange uh, relationship. Yep. Yeah. They're all it's definitely the same dude. This is like a roadmap to the dissolving of relationships <laughs> between prince and women that all women who came after Susanna should have been presented <laughs> with. Like this is how this is the Here's the map of how things are gonna go. Let me show you what has happened before. <laughs> then we have ooh, let me see if I can get this right Nevea ni Ikalpa which yeah. is a place in heaven backwards right which is exactly that it's Lisa's vocals right backwards singing a place in heaven with different backing music yep yes and all the music Prince alone and Lisa mm-hmm. on lead vocals and Wendy on background vocals. Yep. I think, again, the, the placement here in chronological order of recording makes it seem like a little gimmicky to me. And not, oh. you know, if it was in its proper place on a three disc album, I think it could have worked just fine. Um, it's strange. Oh, I kind of love it. I love how weird it is. The church organ fits yeah. these backwards lyrics. It sounds like a different language. Yeah. It's mournful, but beautifully sung. Yeah. 
it, how many it, times do we have to run things backwards in Prince music? Well, it was the 80s. They did that. I know. It's fine. But I kind of like how the crescendo is kind of at the beginning of the song. Yep. Because that's really the end of the song. True. So I thought it was interesting. Gets quieter at the end instead of the beginning. And Yeah, it sounds kind of, uh, I don't want to say evil, but it sounds a little menacing. Backwards from this lullaby kind of thing. Oh, I just thought it sounded mournful, not menacing. Really? Yeah. It made me think of, like, Ireland. Oh. that I just thought that's, of, like, misty the... moors <laughs> of green, wet sorts of places that are a little really, magical. Really difficult golf. <laughs> yes. Challenging golf. Perhaps a leprechaun. Yes. Hmm. This is what I thought of. I... So I guess I like this more than you did. You seem very unimpressed yeah. by this. Um, I I guess that's a good way to say it. I'm impressed. <laughs> like, I'm trying to... Like, it's a song that you can sing along to. Uh-huh. Um, even though you know all the lyrics if you're a Prince fan. If you do try to sing along to it, you're like kind of making sounds that mimic what's being sung. And there are two places that I find that to be very troubling. Like at 47 seconds, I hear the word arsenic. Replaced or repeated three times. Arsenic, arsenic, arsenic. (laughs) And at a minute and 42 seconds, I hear something about most diseases. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess again, great to have because it was intended for a very, very large project. But am I going to go hunting this out later and put it in a playlist? I don't think so. No, I might. All right. Well, that's why we have different Apple Music accounts. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Then we have the final song on today's collection. Boo. In a large room with no light. We have talked about this before when we talked about the Montreux Jazz Festival and Prince did a release Correct. of this song. Yep, in 2009. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it a lot. We'll talk we about have. it a little bit today. I remember listening again to the official podcast and them interviewing Eric Leeds, and it sounded like that was the first time he was told that this song would be on this set. Oh, wow, that's going to be on there? Because he had said in numerous interviews that, uh, you know, there's this song that remained released called In a Large Room with No Light that I wish Prince would release because it's so fabulous. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was definitely a proponent of getting this out and, of course, played a big part in the sound of the overall track i think too mm-hmm. uh very big band again yeah prince wendy lisa sheila e on drums suzanne on vocals levi Caesar jr on bass guitar eric leeds atlanta bliss and then another saxophone player named norbert satchel so it was almost if you take wendy lisa and Susanna out it's sort of the touring band for sign of the times mm-hmm. yeah i think this was maybe one of the most revered Prince outtakes, long circulating, mm-hmm. never in what I'd call great quality, which I think added to her its allure. Like everyone wanting, man, if I could just have this and 
good quality, man. I could die happy. I could die happy, man. Uh, so knowing this was coming on the set when it was announced in June and having to wait until September was killer. Yeah. And it doesn't disappoint, I don't think. You no, know, it, it was great. I love the reverb on his voice. Yep. It's really cool and interesting. Yeah. He says that there's a picture of a woman with a drink in her hand. Uh-huh. And it sounds to me, I know he says drink, but every time I listen to it, it sounds like dick to me. Many people argued about that uh, <laughs> over the years. I'm sure it's drink, and yeah. I'm sure it's just the way he's saying it. Yeah, because he's almost speed singing, speed rapping, kind of. Yeah. It's a quickly sung song, I guess, is the way to yes. say it. Yeah. So, and it is hard to make out mm-hmm. some of the lyrics. Yeah, like Washington reaction based upon revenge. I wasn't sure that wow. that's right. I found I that know. same lyric, and I thought I'd always heard watching her reaction based upon revenge oh. was what I had always heard. So it's. Talking about a picture of a woman with a drink in her hand, standing by a child with no eyes, watching her reaction based upon revenge. Baby's blown to come and come. A picture of a woman with a drink in her hand, standing by a child with no eyes. Watching her reaction based upon revenge. The baby's blown to kingdom come. That's what I had always that heard. That makes way more sense because I was like, what's the Washington reaction? <laughs> I like the U.S. government reaction, but why is the government... Worried about this woman with a drink in her hand that Lana drew. That seems yeah. not to be high-level security for the United States of America. I don't know. Depends on where Lana's from. If she's from, uh, you know, Blorgon 5. Oh. Maybe they have maybe eyes on her. That's true. <laughs> Selfish Danny planting drugs on his girlfriend yeah so that he wouldn't go to jail alone yeah. and i'm like you dummy they don't go you don't go to jail together that's right they're not gonna <laughs> put oh we'll put you in the cell since we since we found you together <laughs> let's let's pair you up mm-hmm. nothing nothing bad will come from that <laughs> compared with that set of lyrics where he drops a dime on his girlfriend. Yeah. It seems like the, with the thought that says we all should be stoned means drugs. Yep. Use drugs. You're stoned. But then the next line is, and people looking for angels in the sky. And I wondered if maybe it was a little more biblical. Stoning. Oh, that could be. If it was. Or just the play on words there again would be very prince-like. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or maybe it means both yeah. high and, A punishment. You know, yeah. Yes. Murdered. Yeah. Love has grown, seeds are sown, a fire don't burn unless it's started. I keep thinking of uh, Billy Joel. Oh. We didn't start the fire. Oh. <laughs> I, and I always love this chorus. Yeah, with the Just, la la, tra la la, sha la la's. Oh, yeah. Well, even before that, it's big thoughts and 50 cent words. 
Did you ever feel that life was like looking for a penny in a large room with no light, Mm -hmm. a sophisticated, mass-produced cacophony of no-win situations that aren't right? Did you ever feel that life was like looking for a penny in a large room with no light? A sophisticated, mass-produced cacophony of no-win situations that aren't right? So you did find lyrics online that have it reading yes. sophisticated mass produced cacophony. Yes. That is what I have always heard. Every lyric site that I found had it as a sophisticated man reduced to company in no win situations that aren't right. And I was like, they're all wrong. That is not correct. He no. definitely says sophisticated mass produced cacophony. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I I went to genius.com and uh, yeah, I can edit the lyrics there if need sure. be, but yeah. no, they had it what I believe is correctly. Yeah. A sophisticated mass produced cacophony is almost what they're doing with the song too. Yeah. I thought, you know, it's a popular musician making loud, fast noise, as uh-huh. he said in the first song that we covered here. Mm-hmm. No win situations that aren't right. What uh-huh. a like big thoughts. Yeah, these are that's super cool mm-hmm. songwriting. It's super cool songwriting, and it's so graphic to think of looking for a penny in a large room with no light. Yeah, like even if you found it, the payoff is not worth the it's effort. It's not worth very much, and it's dark, and you're searching for something that isn't worth very much. But for one reason or another, maybe it's important. But yeah. the act of finding it is important. But once you do, the reward is very, very small. Right. Who is this little MFer that wakes you <laughs> up and talks big stuff in your face? I love how raw the delivery of Me that too. is. And that's what's missing from the 2009 released yeah. version, too, yeah. is there is not that raw kind of delivery that we get here. And I love, you know, there's the cliche of history repeating itself. And then he's got such a nice way of saying that in non-cliched terms. Oh, if you could just pass your history class. Yeah. If you could learn (laughs) from this. never going to learn because you don't pay attention to what happened before. Yep. And it was like, oh, what a great way to say history repeats itself. For sure. I'd love it. This is a great, wonderfully written song. Yep. Uh, it's yeah. a shame that it is a shame. It's great that we get it now. It's a shame that it's buried on, you know, disc four of nine in an expensive box set. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it deserved release. So I'm glad we got it. And the fact that it was not only, Sounded great, but got the remaster treatment too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we never heard the mastered treatment, right? Exactly. So we get the uh, the further repaired audio experience on this one. I like it. All right, we've reached the end of the music that we're going to cover. So now it's time to make some selections. We choose three things every episode. We choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released. So mid eighties or right now, right? 
we choose a C, the low point, the thing that we like the least. Right. And a mountain, the thing that spoke to us the most. We each make these selections, but they're my rules, so I go first. Do it. My time capsule is power fantastic, mostly because of it's nice to hear him be encouraging and not mm-hmm. just the taskmaster that we hear about. You know, he's got to be encouraging at some point or nobody would ever want to work with him. Right. But it's nice to hear that here and to hear how he was a little bit in the studio, even if he wasn't always that way, at least he was sometimes that way in the yep. studio and it's nice to hear it. Yeah. Uh, my time capsule is the same. Oh, power. Fantastic. Excellent. Um, and mine wasn't so much because of, you know, of the sound of the 80s or that kind of thing. It was more because that song to me was kind of the culmination of the revolution as a band okay. and recorded not long before they're disbanding. So to me, it's kind of a milestone track. They're all there together. It is still the revolution um, before all these other band members started joining the band, although it does include Eric Leeds and Atlanta Bliss, who had toured on the on the parade tour. But, um, yeah, I just thought that's kind of a capstone of the revolution. It would almost be like the way Prince described the NPG with Days of Wild. He had to disband them after that because there was nowhere else for them to go. (laughs) And I could see him saying the same thing about Power Fantastic. Cool. All right, the C, the low point. Yeah. The judgment in a place in heaven is just too much, and I have to pass judgment upon it. Oh, no. (laughs) Judgments of that level are few. (laughs) For me, it's, however you want to pronounce it, a place in heaven run backwards with new music under it. Mm -hmm. I just find it gimmicky and contrived, and like I said earlier, might have felt different about it if it had been placed on a proper album. Um, and it's kind of a palate cleanser, that kind of thing. But as a single track on a as a vault disc, I will probably never return to it. No. So I have listened to that for the last time. All right. Au revoir. <laughs> and then the mountain. For me, I adore how he trimmed down Crystal Ball. You have been talking about that track. I have, have my I? suspicions. Oh. Yes. Yeah. We're not supposed to discuss this. That's also part of the rules is there's no revealing of your feelings on any track until we sit down to record this podcast. We can talk about our feelings, but we don't tell each other what our selections are. So you might say, ooh, this was cool or that's weird or what do you make of that? Or do you know something about this? So if if I'm doing research on something, I might ask you a question to be able to direct right. that. Right. Mm-hmm. Just loved it that much. I, I just really did. For me, I had a three horse race that did not include crystal ball at oh, all. Really? It was between love and sex, big tall wall and in a large room with no light. Um, and I have grown to love love and sex so much with its mid tempo pace and the guitar work throughout it. But I have to stick with the song that I think I was most looking forward to. For this episode, anyway, which was in a large room with no light, because I'd never heard it in great quality, decent quality, let alone remastered properly. And I think it shoots for the stars and honestly overshoots them all. And 
It's left me over the moon with happiness to have this song in my collection officially now. After Excellent. having it unofficially for so long. Yeah. 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 And this, I think, is the superior version. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, great over... to have the live version that was released. Mm-hmm. It was. It was jazzed up a little bit. It was jazzed up a little bit. This is more raw. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Yeah. All right, so what are we going to talk about next time? Next time we're on to Disc 5, which is Vault Disc 2 in this collection. Um, We're going to handle it the same way we handled this disc. We've got 14 tracks. We're going to cover the first seven next time, which uh, starts with Train, includes Eggplant and Blanche and Soul Psychedelicide and The Ball. And then we'll leave the latter half, tracks 8 through 14, for the episode following that one. Excellent. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We know you make a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio, and we really appreciate you choosing us. Do rate and review because it does help us get found, and we'd like to be found. We'd love to share the purple joy with all the fam out there. So, you know, tell a friend, too, because you know somebody who loves Prince, and they don't yet listen to us, and... It's way more fun when you can listen to a friend, so please do that. And until next time. Thanks for listening. Happy purple listening, friends. Bount and whack to the Sountains and the Me. <laughs> Where we find the lies and hoes of every Prince <laughs> novel. <laughs> the lies and hoes. <laughs> Every album's got a lie and a hoe. We find them all. Maybe more. (laughs) Welcome back to the mountains and the sea where we hide. We hide. Damn it. It was for Dream Factory. It was written and recorded by Wendy at Lisa's request. At whose request? Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) 